Alright, shit fits. Here we go. Episode 248 with Jules Mitchell. This was an awesome episode because this is my first yogi that I had on my show. And the really cool thing about her is she has a master's in biomechanics and a really badass book on yoga and the application of biomechanics. So she's bridging the gap for any kind of yoga-inspired person or yoga teacher and adding the science-based evidence when it comes to movement and exercise. So this episode is jam-packed with information. I'm excited to share it with you. So without further ado, here's Jules. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me for the first time today, Jules Mitchell. Say hello. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, so I always like to start the show with some super easy questions just to get the juices flowing. So the okay. first easy question is what book are you reading or listening to? What book am I reading or listening to? Yeah. Oh boy, um, I, do I, I don't know the name of it. Um, I'm listening to a book that my sister sent me on Audible about marketing. I really would have to look at the name. And then she sent me another one saying, uh, no, you should be reading this one instead. And so I have it on my Kindle, but I have to look it up. So I don't know, marketing books, you know? No, fair enough. <laughs> Is that like something like you're kind of diving into more now or... No, um, it's just like, I actually, normally, it's funny, you would catch, caught me off guard. Normally, I read fiction. I love to read fiction, um, and okay. I travel a lot, so that's kind of my thing. But I'm, you caught me at a time when I'm at home for a month or two in summer, so I'm, like, spending a lot of my time cleaning up my online programs, like, coming up with kind of strategy for my for my email lists. And so I like, I'm just involved in that right now, which I normally don't have time to do. So, and my sister was here and she works in tech in San Francisco. So we were kind of like strategizing together. And so she was sending me some stuff. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like I tend to like kind of go back and forth between like business and marketing and like fitness and health. I like try to alternate back and forth. Yeah. Well, it, you, it, you have to, to stay on top of it. You definitely do. Yeah, and like the like the, I can't get into fiction for some reason, but the one thing that I started doing is uh, my wife and I started listening to the, all the Harry Potter books on Audible, and it's like the best thing ever having like an English guy talk to you about Harry Potter. <laughs> that's funny. That's yeah. the one. I, that's one thing I have not read. <laughs> I read a lot of fiction, but that's one thing I haven't. I don't, oh. and I read young adult too. I, I don't know why it's just never really interested me. Oh, fair enough. You gotta you gotta try though, because I even yeah. when I first started reading Harry Potter, I just couldn't get into it. It wasn't until like now that I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Yeah, I've heard it's good. My my sister's read it, so <laughs> I'll just ask her all about it. Perfect. So next easy question is, right. what is the current TV series you're watching, or are you one of those people who don't watch TV at all? No, I watch TV. Okay. Um, I'm right now I'm in the middle of Handmaid's Tale. Well, I'm not in the middle. I'm caught up. It's just they only release it once a week. So there's no binge watching. Uh, so Handmaid's Tale. And that's actually she's one of my favorite authors. I've read all her books, Margaret Atwood's. So um, I'm kind of watching that and other things. I'm always watching Shark Tank and stuff like that. Nice. But Handmaid's Tale is uh, literally what's grabbing me right now. What's, the, what's that show about? 
oh, you don't know what that no, show is about? No, not at all. Oh, yeah. how interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's kind of a, like, fictional apocalyptic world where, in the U.S., where um, women are basically um, become, like, like slave, slaves to reproduction because reproduction mm. is limited. And it's very dark and very... Uh, Terrible, and it's not a new story. She, uh, she, Margaret Atwood wrote that book in the 80s, I believe. I read it when I was an undergrad. Oh wow! And um, it's one of those shows. It's on it's on Hulu, and it's one of those shows where you're like, wow, have we not learned from our past? And that, like, how, how, like you like it 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 could happen. Like you watch it, and yeah. it's really gripping, and it's actually like terrifying, um, but but very good. So my undergrad was in women's studies, so that it kind of. Um, seems appropriate that that would be the show I'm watching uh, right now. I, I got to put that on my list. That sounds pretty interesting. It's good yeah. and it's dark and it's frightening and it's twisted um, and it's kind of uh, eye-opening because, yeah, just the way I don't. We don't need to get political, but you know, just the way the yeah. world is going. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world, and so when you watch this show, you're like, wow, this is how this stuff happens. <laughs> but it's interesting like how you're like saying it's like dark and twisted and it's like that's our new normal now because like I know <laughs> like 20 years ago if someone made a show like that that like would never air <laughs> right that's true yeah. even though we as hum- as humanity we've been doing things like that to other humans yeah. since the beginning of time so it's important that we you know learn about these things for sure um, so the next easy question, what is your biggest pet peeve in the fitness industry, but also in like everyday life? Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. That's, you said that's easy. My yeah, biggest yeah. pet peeve in the fitness industry and everyday life. Um, I guess like disrespect and trolling. I just don't tolerate it. Um, you know, just there's a lot of garbage out there and, yeah. um, and and it ends up just being a lot of name calling and and just really catty stuff. And so it's like if they're if you don't want to engage with someone in a very mature and constructive way, just move along. It's gonna be fine, <laughs> you know. So I think that's my my biggest pet peeve. Uh, I don't like to see people doing it, and um, I don't like it when it's done to me. And I try not to do it to people. So. No, fair enough. Yeah, like the internet world is just to a terrible place in most yep. most areas and it's yep. like you have like maybe one or two people that try to make it better but it's like people always feel more confident behind a computer screen or yep. phone or whatever and you're like if i met this person in person like they would never they would probably never oh, even absolutely. say those things yeah yeah and there are a few people who do it really well and they actually are committed to it and they spend their time educating and spend the time following up like answering, like communicating. And that's kind of the problem is we're all busy. And so what happens is people just like spit out nasty comments and then don't have time to come back and, you know, and, and, and actually engage. And so that's the worst part. It's like, there, you know, it can be done in a very tasteful way, but it's a commitment. So it's kind of like people have to choose to either do it or, or just kind of lay off a little bit, you know, no be a little bit more respectful in your interaction. All right, so let's kind of get like an intro because I, I feel like we could just like talk about random stuff all day. All day, but okay. um, super easy, quick intro of who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry in the first place? Yeah, um, well, yoga is kind of a weird one. I'm a yoga teacher. Um, I guess you would say more like a yoga educator. Mm-hmm. I don't usually tell people on the street that I teach yoga because then they 
think I'm burning incense at a local studio, and I don't do that at all. <laughs> um, and not the incense part, but I just don't even teach really group classes in any, you know, in any capacity. Um, I haven't done that for several years. So um, I mostly travel and teach teachers uh, about biomechanics. Um, you could you could say I teach teachers how to teach yoga, but most of them already do teach yoga, so I don't. It's not really like entry level teaching. It's really more about more um, complex um, conf- complex concepts and like exercise science and, and introductions into biomechanics because that's not part of the normal yoga curriculum. Um, and then when I'm when I'm staying put for a little while, I I, I run a private client business. It's just I've been moving a lot, and so I haven't had that happen for a little while. Um, but I'll probably, well, now that I'm settled back in Las Vegas, I'll probably do that. Um, so that's who I am and what I do. Uh, how I got into it, again, yoga is kind of a strange thing because most people don't go into yoga because they want to get into fitness. Most people go into yoga because there's some other draw because it's such a multifaceted experience. And that kind of happened to me. I I practiced yoga in college and loved it, uh, but I was a nightclub bartender and enjoyed yoga off and on when it fit into my schedule. And then after my mom passed away, it like became my crutch. It was like where I'd go to cry because yoga has this awesome thing at the very end called Shavasana where you get to lay down on your back and rest <laughs> and actually like just be with yourself. And so that like that that's what like really drew me in. Like I was like, this needs to be a part of my life forever. Why not teach? Um, and that was at the time when, you know, it was just uh, teacher trainings were up and coming. Like now there's every single studio has one. But at the time, I really had to like seek out a, t- a training and, um, and then I just kind of fell into it. And so years later, I was getting weird injuries and things were starting to hurt. And I, you know, life had kind of happened and I ended up getting a master's in biomechanics. And I had so many like light bulb moments in that, in that process, in that graduate program. I did, I like did like my own kind of research, my own uh, uh, thesis project. And I was like, you know what? I think yoga teachers like might want to know this stuff. And sure enough, I was right. They do want to know about it. So here I am. And that's pretty cool because it's like the yoga teachers that I know, like they all have done their 200-hour course. I, I mm-hmm. think I only know one that's done the five-hour, a 500-hour mm-hmm. course. But a lot of them come to me when it comes to like anatomy stuff. And it's they kinda, don't know it. Mm-hmm. No, not, not really, right? So it's kind of interesting no. that you went down that route and – like just blurring the lines and kind of bridging that gap because that's okay. huge because it's like I remember talking to one instructor and I'm like so what if someone didn't have enough knee flexion because of like x y and z and they can't they do a know. full child's pose and they're like oh and I'm like yeah because yeah I, they don't know because <laughs> like, like my my gym is more for like the general population with mm-hmm. a yoga studio so all these instructors kind of came from just a yoga studio and I'm assuming a lot of people who go to yoga are kind of already you know kind of flexible compared to like you know steve the accountant that's been sitting for 20 years but, but that's a problem because yeah. that's what happens is is you know younger younger generally women are naturally more flexible get drawn to yoga that happened to me you know i was good at it good at it in air quotes because you're not really good at yoga but it was it came easy to me you know and then i became a teacher and it was exactly that i had no education and and not even not even did i have no education for it I also didn't have the sensitivity or the maturity or the com- like complexity 
to recognize that Steve, the accountant, can't do these things. You know, like I just was like, what's wrong with him? You know, like I didn't, it didn't, because because the yoga training is so not focused on anatomy and, and physiology and all that and biomechanics, it's mostly, you know, philosophy and other, other things, all the other aspects of yoga. And so you end up having these teachers really unprepared for the general public, which is really the sad part. So it makes it really exclusive and 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 the whole point of yoga is to be inclusive so it's kind of a problem that i think we're we're solving in the industry it's just give us some time <laughs> yeah definitely um i could before we kind of get into the meat of this because like i have like so many questions running in my head but because you're my first yoga person ever um i kind of want to get into like yoga 101 like the basics like why should people do it what are the benefits how can someone start if they've never even touched their toes in their life or feel kind of intimidated to go to a yoga studio where everyone's barefoot? Yeah. <laughs> Loaded question, yeah. bud. Well, there you go. You got to, you've got to be barefoot in yoga. That's one thing that everybody should know. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, that's really tough because, um, because like, you know, we're here talking about yoga on a fitness podcast and, you know, I'm out teaching biomechanics and exercise science to, to yoga teachers, but that's just like one small part of yoga. And that is, it is part of the challenge when discussing yoga, because, you know, you could have a whole different yoga teacher on that says it's all about meditation, which it is, you know, they're not wrong, (laughs) you know, so then, then what does that have to do with fitness and getting started and touching toes and all of those things? And that makes, that makes yoga like, amazing and brilliant and seductive and and it, it draws people to the practice for such a variety of different reasons like I told you like it what 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 really did it for me was being able to cry you know like I, nobody's like oh I love my personal trainer I decided to become a fitness you know a personal trainer or a fitness instructor because I you know d- d- coped with my mother's passing you know maybe some people do but not in the same way you know so so when you say like, how can people get started in yoga and how, and what is it? And, and it, it, it's worth like taking the time to do your research. It's worth, you know, visiting some different studios or, or asking your friends or, or because there, you can get such different experiences. And one of the things that I've really noticed that that's unfortunate is, and it's, it's all over, I've lived in, you know, three different cities in the last three years and I travel and I see it everywhere you know, it it's ends up being a numbers game. Studios need to make money. So they end up really pushing teachers to teach in a certain style, which is kind of like the flow style, which is really not that accessible to people who aren't used to touching their toes or being barefoot or all of, you know, all like not don't have knee flexion because a lot of that in the, the quickness of it is assumed. And, and so then some of these teachers that have really like spent years and years and years honing their craft and and really learning about how to work with individuals and how to use props to help people, they end up kind of getting pushed to the side because their classes aren't as popular because, you know, there's a there's like this, this youth that's coming to yoga. And so it's worth seeking those teachers out is what I'm saying. And sometimes that might make mean a phone call to the studio and asking, you know, like who, like, you know, what what are the different styles? What are some of the slower paced classes? Are there some that are beneficial for 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 new people? Because I think what happens is, in our busy lives, you just sign up for a studio because they have a 30 days for 25 dollars 
30 days unlimited. And then you just go to all these classes that fit your schedule. And then you end up not liking it or being intimidated or not, you know, not understanding it. They're talking in Sanskrit. They're moving so fast. And then my, why is my shoulder hurting suddenly and my wrist? Because I haven't put my body weight on my, on a, you know, on an extended wrist in my entire life. And now I'm doing it for an hour at a time, you know. And so, and I get it. I understand society and that's what, what has to happen. But then we end up being scared of yoga. And so I think it's really worth, like, going in slow and just taking your time and finding a teacher that really helps you, um, I don't know, fall in love with it because it, it, it is a great practice. I don't know if that answered your question, but no, there like, was a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, you, that, that was amazing because, like, I'm, like I'm, at least I'm, I'm, I feel fortunate because at the gym I'm at, like, we have so many different styles of yoga. And, like, we also have a clinic that's attached to our gym. And a lot of times with our patients that are trying to get into exercise we actually all recommend them going to this one specific yoga class called unwind yoga where literally you're lying on your back going through maybe 12 stretches in the hour and it's more of a slow pace and like relaxing like just stretching and we've brought like our gym rat people that have never gone onto a yoga mat in their life and they're like that's my favorite class because you can actually, it like, is. Really, yeah, like, the most amazing well, you thing. Get to, you get to sit and be quiet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we don't get that enough. And and it feels good. People enjoy the sensations of stretching. You know, it, like, triggers the endocannabinoid system. You know, it feels good. So it's like, like, yeah, I mean, but I think sometimes we just don't give each other that. And this, like, permission to be quiet. And so that is one of the best things about yoga, for sure. Yeah, and I think a lot of people just, like, have this idea in their head if they haven't tried it, they feel like, oh, maybe I'll be, like, embarrassed trying to do something. And this one yoga instructor that we have in her um, gym, like, the one thing that always stood out to me, she always says, like, yoga doesn't have to be perfect. It's just movement. Like, let your body move the way it does. Like, don't worry about how you look. And I'm like, man, that is so good. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, but now I'm kind of curious, like you getting into like the biomechanics. Cause like when I like looked up your book online, I'm like, this is the most brilliant thing ever. Like I have to buy myself a copy, (laughs) but, um, what kind of drew you into that? Cause you kind of mentioned that you started having some injuries, right? Yeah. You know, it wasn't even like, I don't even know, you know, like what an injury is anymore. You know, it was like, that was, <laughs> that's like a whole other topic. Um, but, but like, you know, I was getting the typical stuff that in yoga, the, the proximal hamstring tendinopathy, um, the, the kind of bicep tendon tendinopathy, we call it chaturanga shoulder, you know, um, I was getting some like anterior hip kind of pinchiness, just some stuff. And I had always been told that, you know, yoga is like this healing practice. And so I was like, what, you know, what gives? <laughs> like, like I don't, I'm not understanding. And so um, I just kind of wanted to know more because like, like, like we've already described, yoga training just doesn't have a lot of anatomy. My, I had done my 200 hour and there was, I think, 20 hours of anatomy. And I'd also done my 300 hour to make the 500. And there was another maybe 20 hours of anatomy or whatever. It was not enough. And I had taken anatomy and, and stuff just at the university for fun, just in, um, like, you know, my free time because I'm an eternal student. <laughs> and so I was, like, taking some of these classes, and I, I was like, this, but not, the answers aren't here. This isn't helping me. And so 
just life had kind of made some space for me to finally pursue my graduate degree, which I'd always wanted to do. It just life just didn't work out that way. And so I had I had this kind of clearing to actually be like, okay, now I really can commit to this. What am I going to do? And I went to the um, kinesiology department to talk to them about maybe, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I teach yoga. Is this something? Could I learn some stuff here? Like, I've got questions. And they had found out that I had been, I had studied engineering, just kind of, I'd showed them my transcripts and and I'd studied uh, civil engineering. And so they were like, oh my God, like you need to, you need to be, enroll and, and do biomechanics. And I was like, what's biomechanics? I had no idea what it was. And, and they, and they you know, explained to me and I was like, but, but I don't have that much biology and I don't have, I don't have OCHEM. You know, they're like, no, 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 no. But you have physics and you have statics and you have fluid dynamics and calculus, <laughs> you know, and they were like, oh my God, because that's the hard stuff to teach. You know, they were like, you can take biology, you can get caught up, no problem. And so I was like, all right. And so that's what I did. And I, it was like my first class. And I was in tissue mechanics, my first tissue mechanics class. And like, we're the my it was my it happened to be my advisor, and she's lecturing on like stress strain curves and 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 mechanical properties, all things I have seen in 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 you know material science. And I was like, oh my God, scientists know this about tendons and ligaments? Like, what? Like, I couldn't believe my mouth. I must have been like drooling, my mouth hanging open. Like, I, I ha- <laughs> how how is this not like part of our regular education? Like, this is this is amazing, you know. So that really kind of took me down that path, and I ended up doing doing a bunch of research on stretching, and then got really bored with stretching. Um, and then that's when I, uh, after I finished school and everything, I decided to write this book. And that's why, like, if you've looked at it, like, chapter two is about stretching, and then it kind of goes at the end. It's like, and that's all we're going to talk about, because there's more interesting stuff to talk about, and then we move into tissue mechanics. So that's kind of how I ended up doing it. It was all by accident, really. So can you also kind of describe what tissue mechanics is? Because I don't think anyone's brought up that term on my show, and I'm, like, super curious of what it is. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. So so it really talks about um, the mechanical properties of your tissues, and, and most specifically, you know, your connective tissue, because it, it's everywhere. Um, and these are our musculoskeletal tissues, are all connective tissues, um, minus the muscle, but the muscle tissue is embedded in connective tissue, so it, it, it's not separate, you know. And so tissue mechanics defines basically the mechanical properties and studies a few different components. Uh, one of them is just the the uh, mechanical behavior of the tissue. What happens to it when you put force into it? When you stretch it, does it does it get a little bit longer? When you compress it, does it squish? You know, like 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 how how it behaves. Like how does a rubber band behave? How is a how is the green theraband? How is its behavior different than the silver theraband? Right. So that's that's what mechanical behavior is. And then the other part you would look at in tissue mechanics is the composition, like what's it made of, you know, so it's made of cells and it's made of um, uh, collagen and elastin and water and ground substance because how it's made, what it's made of and the, the ratios and the proportions affect the mechanical properties as a whole. And then the other part is the um, arrangement, the architecture of the, the, the parts. So, you know, if, imagine if you, I always use like a sweater as an example. Like if you have a tightly woven sweater versus a looseness sweater, it behaves differently. 
right? You, you can stretch it over your head to get it on more easily or less easily. And depending on the type of stitch that you use, any, anyone who knits would know this, right? The type of stitch that you use would affect how it behaves. So you look at these three things, the behavior of the materials, the composition, and the structure, and then you get this, this larger picture of how the tissue behaves, and that's really what tissue mechanics is. Very well said. Damn, I feel like I can like listen to you talk forever. But um, because <laughs> um, like when you go on your website and you look at like the list of all your certifications that I'm super jealous of. Um, <laughs> now we're kind of like diving into like the FRC and FR systems, and I'm kind of mm -hmm. like curious about like your opinion when you like took the F. Did you take the FRC first or the FR first? Uh, I did FR lower limb first okay then i did frc and then i did the other two frs okay so now i'm kind of curious like when you took the frc like did spina do all of his like jabs on yoga instructors when it was so long ago okay. like <laughs> it was so long ago that like i took the fr in portland okay and in a room of like the who's who in fitness like i I, I, I don't know them all as well, but I could name drop them. But, you know, like everybody was there. Yeah. And and it was such an intimate, like, thing. And I just honestly, I went there kind of on accident. My friend Charlie Reed was like, oh, I'm doing this thing. You should come. And so, and he's a, a trainer, um, a strength and conditioning coach out of San Francisco. And so I was like, all right, you know, and I went. And But it was so intimate that then Charlie hosted Spina at... Um, for FRC at his place in San Francisco at the gym where he works. And it was, like, so intimate. Like, we all knew each other per on a personal level just from that other one. So he wasn't, like, bashing yoga yet. Do you know what I okay, mean? Like, yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard about it since. <laughs> uh, I've definitely heard about it since. And then and then Michael Chivers actually did the rest of my FRs, the other two. So, um, so yeah, so he was a little bit, I think, more diplomatic at the time. But I know he, <laughs> he teases and makes fun of yoga, and, and rightfully so. Um, but again, it's you know he's he's teasing and making fun of one aspect of yoga, and I and I would say that 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 might be maybe the mainstream representation of yoga, but it's definitely changing. So, so for those people who don't know exactly what we're like chatting about, can you kind of like elaborate on that a little bit of the thing that he's making fun of? Um, I think it's just the the emphasis. What I'm gathering, because again, I haven't really heard him do it. It's only been mm -hmm. first third, you know. Third, third hand, whatever that is. Um, but I think it's like that he's just kind of bashing the passive nature of yoga yeah. um, and kind of the floppiness of yoga and the kind of like the, the, the heavy hands-on adjustments where people are moving you into poses rather than you like earning, you know, earning the ranges of motion, that kind of stuff. Um, but again, like that's very specific. Like that doesn't actually exist in my world. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't come up through a lineage. You know, yoga has lineages because it, you know, it's it's been brought to us, and some say we took it, but that's another 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 conversation. <laughs> um, and so, like, I wasn't brought. I didn't get my yoga education in a lineage where people stood on me to get me more flexible. I know it exists. I know it's out there, but that just wasn't my world. And my kind of primary teacher, she had come out of many different schools, but it was very much um, strength. We have a word for it, shtira, like it's strength, you know, in, in Sanskrit. So, so she, came, she came from a very strength-based focus, and she used props to make things more challenging, and she taught me how to do that. So, 
So when he, when when Spina's making fun of of yoga for that that kind of aspect, he's only really making fun of certain lineages because I don't think that's pervasive across all of yoga. Oh, fair enough. And um, I think the next thing I kind of want to go back to is like the injuries and uh, like what I've noticed with the yoga instructors at my gym, at least, is like when they come from the yoga side to the gym and they start doing things like deadlifts, they're all getting like low back pain. I started like thinking to myself, I'm like, why is that? And I think like this is just based on like my personal like opinion is like their lower backs are so bendy, like they're just meant to bend like no one nobody's business so like when they extend coming up from their deadlift i think they're actually extending through their low back and then their hips so all that pressure is kind of going into that lumbar spine so i'm now kind of curious about your take on this like you know a yoga instructor going to a barbell to go deadlift like are they going to initiate lumbar extension first like what what are your thoughts Uh, oh boy this is a big it is it is um um because if you're like at the end of the day, you know, this is the weird thing with yoga is yoga is just body weight stuff. So, yeah. so who cares how you come up, how you do a body weight deadlift, really? I mean, hopefully your back is strong enough to tolerate that. You know what I mean? Like, otherwise yeah. you got other problems, right? So, so, but I, I, I do think that that is kind of an issue is that because yoga is just body weight stuff, um, you're just kind of moving around it. You know, form and technique is less important because loads are relatively low and definitely not very fast. You know, so you don't have any high rate, high magnitude loads coming at you. So, so it's 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 generally kind of a safe practice. And so there's kind of two sides. Like, so you, you're asking about the, the the yoga person who eventually makes their way into training and 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 you know weight training. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there is. I think it's urgent for them, but I think that there there is an importance on a uh, you know technique training where it's necessary, and then B uh, just progressive loading. Like I think that's really like that's kind of the central thesis of my book is like on the other side of why are we getting injured in yoga if the loads aren't that high? Like what you know what's causing it? And it's like we're just so terribly underloaded. Um, you know, I, I practiced yoga for 20 years. Like, there's nothing progressive about that. Yeah, I can hold the plank for a minute. Big deal. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you know, it just, so so I think it just becomes, and that, for me, that's like, you know, that's where kind of things start to hurt. Because then we, like, go out and do something. We're like, oh, I'm going to go take, you know, this whatever class. Like, there's a class at, at the gym I go to called the Glute Max Out. And, you know, it's super fun. But then, you know, then everybody's hurting because they've never actually done an hour of, of squats and deadlifts and, and banded work. And, you know, yeah. they, they've never done that. And, you know, they, they, they hold chair pose for five breaths and then they come out. They never actually squatted with a weight in their hand, you know, eight times slow, eight times fast. Eight, you know, like, so I think it's just there's not enough um, time for adaptation. And if so if you're asking why yoga teachers or yoga students are hurting when they make the transition, I think it's mostly that. I think they're just, they're enthusiastic and they're like, I'm fit. I've been practicing yoga for 20 years. And there's not that understanding that it needs to go a little slower. Yeah, I think like just overall the volume, right? Like, cause yeah, like you said, they think they're already fit, but this yep. is so different type of training. Like I Completely. think it's, it's like equivalent to like me going to the 
you know, driving range for the first time of the year and hit 200 balls and the next day I can't move. <laughs> yes, it is the equivalent of that. And that's what I talk about all the time. This is, this is the equivalent of people hurting their backs when it first snows. Nobody hurts their back at the end of snowing season. It's always in the beginning because yeah. they're, they're unconditioned for shoveling snow, you know. It's the same thing. They're just unconditioned for it. And so, but again, it, because we just don't have... Like leave teacher, you leave yoga teachers out of it. Let's just talk about general population. Like th these are not concepts that are taught to us. You have to actually like study kinesiology to learn these these concepts. It, it, it should be this should. I always wonder like why in PE, why in PE did I just run a lap? Like running a lap is good, but then why didn't I also learn a little bit about anatomy like wouldn't that be useful I, I mean I live in this body you know what I mean like like why didn't PE or when it was a rainy day and we couldn't I grew up in Southern California and it was a rainy day and we couldn't play outside why did we just go inside and play thumbs up seven up or whatever that heads up seven up or whatever that game is why weren't we actually like taught like a little bit about you know anatomy and and how we work and as some exercise principles I thought that would have been cool but it's just not the way we do it Oh, fair enough. Um, so I want to get into a question I got from one of my yoga instructors at my gym. Um, she, like, put down one question and then quickly added another one. Okay. So um, I'm going to go with her first one. She says, ask her opinion on transitioning from neutrals to external poses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her second bit of that is that, um, off of that as well, to someone who doesn't have a biomechanics background or anatomy background, how would they make decisions like uh, should they do that transition when there are big people in the industry saying opposite answers? Yeah. If that makes sense. That those, no, I, that totally makes sense. Um, so this is a really interesting one because I changed my opinion after doing research. Okay. Uh, but, you know, there's like, there's a very, there, yoga is very stylistic. There are many rules in yoga, um, in, within transitions and within alignment and stuff that, that are positioned as like the kind of the sacred cow of safety. And in the end, they're just really stylistic preferences. And so that's one of them is should you, on a single leg, transition from, you know, internals to externals? Um, and is that, you know, is that safe? So, you know, the idea is that that puts a lot of compression and shear on, on the cartilage. Um, and, you know, with the prevalence of labral tears and yoga and all the things, all the rumors, you know, is that something that we should do or we should avoid? And so you've got one side saying avoid it at all costs because that's the only way to be safe. And then you have the other side saying, well, hey, wait a minute. You know, the only way to actually be able to tolerate that is to expose yourself to it slowly and over time. So, what, what, you know, which side are you on? Are you on the, you know, let's practice, you know, let's, let's, let's all not leave the house because we could get, you know, <laughs> injured stepping off the curb or let's step off the curb repeatedly so that it doesn't injure us, you know. Going back to Spina, that's one of his you know, tweet-worthy statements is you always regret being injured in the position in which you didn't train. You know, so so here's a perfect example of that. If you never actually, you know, challenge your your hip joints, then how are you ever going to be able to tolerate, you know, something that comes at you unexpectedly? Um, so, so there's that. So I don't think it's necessarily unsafe. Um, that being said, it's really hard in a group class 
you don't know people's history. You don't know what they're doing. They, you don't know what they've done in the past. You don't know if something's hurting them. And so they are, or you don't know if it hurts and they think they're trying to perform for you as a, as a you know, like doing, doing what you say. And so they're just like dealing with it. And so there's a lot, it's like so complex. One of the reasons why I so much prefer one-on-one teaching because you can actually like have a, have a communication with someone rather than just guessing what everyone in the room is doing or experiencing. Um, but I'm going to say, if I had to choose a stance, I would say it's safe and can be done. You know, I would also say if you're in a class, give people an option. If this is uncomfortable for any reason, put your other foot down and figure it out. You know, be, you're on your own. Because people won't hurt themselves unless, especially like in yoga, they won't hurt themselves unless like they're being told to do something specifically and they think it's right. And so that's the biggest problem is that we're, we're too dogmatic on one side or the other. Never do this or no, it's, it's fine, it's harmless. Like why not, why not teach yoga students a little bit of autonomy, a little bit of self kind of regulation, like, like hey, Today this feels good. I'm going to do this. I'm going, you know, and and teach them a little bit about it's important to stress the body, but not to stress it so much that you can't walk for the two days afterwards. And let people kind of monitor their own experiences, which is really unique to yoga. And I think we need more of that rather than the you know this is the answer because we really don't know. What like how do you know? This is always the example I give. You can get out of bed and tear your Achilles. It's happened. <laughs> right? So is it is it getting out of bed that should never be done? Or was there some sort of degenerative tendinopathy there that didn't hurt and no one knew that, so therefore they didn't know about it? And then getting out of bed that day just was kind of what happened. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. You know what I mean? So yeah. so what? how would we have done that different? Never got out of bed? Or would we have started doing calf raises to help load that tendon? So it's, it's just with with the, the lack of correlation between pain and tissue damage, it's such a hard area to navigate. Yeah, and like the nice thing that I, that I like about yoga is like just the chance to kind of be more in tune with your body. And like I did yeah. tell that to my clients all the time, like I want you to learn to feel every single rep because I'm now I'm in my like weightlifting career, like when I'm deadlifting heavy and I do one rep and it feels a little off, I know now not to do the next rep because most likely it's going to feel a lot yep. worse. And yep. like the amount of like back stuff I probably saved myself now compared to when I was younger. I'm like, no, let's push through the pain. It's all good. Like yep. that's how people injure themselves. And like, you know, I want people to feel what they're feeling. And like, this is why I like using the FRC principles of like all the cars movements. And I tell mm-hmm. people all the time when you're doing hip cars, if your hip feels like garbage in the warm up maybe loading your lunges yep. and squats that day is not a good idea, but it feels yep. really good. Why not challenge it? And that's really what you just said is the key is that it's not the same every day because it's affected because yeah. you're a complex organism. So it's affected by, you know, your stress at work, your relationships, your, how much you slept, things, in, internal environmental factors that you're not even aware about. It's affected by so many things. And so if you actually can, like, like, really like become aware of that and sense how you feel on a day-to-day basis, then it actually allows you to, like you said, choose to load heavier some days and choose to lay off other days. And then it's really in your hands. And that's, I think, 
Why is it the teacher's responsibility in a room full of 50 people to manage all of that? Like, that's not even possible, you know, yeah. much less a teacher who's had 20 hours of anatomy. So, so it's like, it's, it's okay if we just teach the teachers th these principles and then say, it's okay for you not, not to be responsible for this. It's okay for you to empower your students to make choices for themselves. You don't have to know all of this. So to kind of maybe like wrap this all up with like the second last question, I'm kind of curious, like if you had to tell yoga instructors like one thing, what would be like the golden nugget of information you'd want every yoga instructor to know? Um, the basic principles of progressive overload and the said principle, I think those two, I don't know why those aren't in yoga. That's more important than anatomy. That's yeah. more important than naming the hamstrings is understanding those two things, you know? So, you know, at, at, you know, basically how adaptation works and progressive overload. Um, and that is it. And then if I had to add on to that, because it's yoga, I would say some basic ideas, some basic concepts in histology and some basic understanding of pain science. And it doesn't have to be in depth. Just like, you know, just like I had said earlier that, you know, tissue damage and pain don't always correlate. These are important principles to understand. Um, th those types of things help, I think, help, help people understand in their bodies that the answer kind of always is it depends and it's multifactorial and we need to look at the organism as a whole. And that really is yoga when it comes down to it. Beautifully said. And I'm so happy you're like educating people on this. Like, Thank you for making the industry better, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so for the very last question, if people wanted to find out more about you, where can they find you online? If you have any projects coming out, you should also plug your book in this section of this podcast yeah. as well or anything else you want to plug in, you can go ahead right now. Okay. Um, my website is Jules Mitchell, which is super easy. Um, I own all the misspellings of it, so you'll get there anyway. <laughs> so don't worry about how to spell it. Um, and everything's on there. I travel the world, uh, so I'm. I mean, I'm in Europe. I'm in New Zealand. I'm, you know, I'm everywhere. So there should be something if you want to take a weekend course with me. Um, and then, yeah, my book is called Yoga Biomechanics: Stretching Redefined. It just came out this year, finally. Um, and it's complex. It's. I, I always say like it. It. It's. I didn't dumb it down. I, I, there was one sentence in there that it took me three days to write. And so like, it's not something that I anticipate someone to read casually. Uh, and so it's a really, actually like a really nice compliment if you actually come to my course where you hear me talk about things in a little bit of a lighter way and then to go back to the book for reference back and forth. That's actually the ideal way to, to get through the book, I think. Um, and then if that's not possible, I've got tons of online courses that are available for instant download. You just go to my website. I've got like six or seven of them to choose from. So I guess that's pretty much it. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Thanks. It was great meeting you. Boom goes the dynamite. That's episode 248 with Jules Mitchell. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for listening once again. I am so humbled to have so many of you all over the world listening to my podcast so I thank you from the bottom of my heart each and every one of you means a whole lot to me you guys are just awesome um, share this podcast with your friends and family rate the show 5 stars on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radar or wherever the hell you listen to my show, that would be greatly appreciated if you have any feedback, thoughts, concerns, questions, feel free to reach out. If you haven't done so already, 
hit the show notes, add me on Facebook. If you are going to the Perform Better Summit in Long Beach this weekend, come by, say hello to me. I would love to meet some of my audience. That's it for me for this week. Stay tuned for more awesome stuff.